Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Hope you enjoyed last week's strategy roundup episode, and we are jumping straight into our next batch of 15 interviews with guests with the lovely Wendy Capewell. And we're diving into some really, really great stuff in this conversation about comparison, about not feeling good enough, about panic attacks and how to manage those um, and loads more. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll be back super quickly at the end. Hi, everyone. And I'm really happy to welcome today's guest, Wendy, to the podcast. So Wendy, welcome. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, that'd be fab. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for inviting me uh, um, to to speak to you. Yeah. So my name is Wendy Capewell. I am a counsellor and psychotherapist and I've been qualified for more than 17 years now. And although I work a lot with, with lots of general kind of issues that people bring, my my real passions, I suppose my expertise are around trauma and relationships and trauma is I mean we will have some trauma or another some people cope with them better than others uh, but it is if it affects you in your life in some way and it, it's debilitating you then I think it's it's worth kind of getting some help and support around it and relationships well we all in relationships we're in the relationship with ourselves to start with if we don't kind of figure out how we're working in the world and how we connect in the world, then we're going to struggle with other relationships quite often. Um, but we're in a relationship with everybody. Anyone we meet will have a brief relationship with or a longer term relationship, or it might be a working relationship, but it might be a romantic relationship. And I work with couples as well who are struggling um relationships can be really tricky at the best of times um even the really good ones they can hit a few bumps in the road so that that's my main areas that I work with yeah yeah thank you for sharing that and already so much I want to dive into where do I want to start oh I don't know let's start with trauma that's a nice <laughs> that's a nice place to start um because as you said that that we've all experienced it and I, I don't know if you find this with people you work with that I had um when my parents broke up something now I can say it was really traumatic at the time and for years it what I didn't call it a trauma I didn't recognize the impact it had and it's only in my own therapy that I've kind of gone Mm. oh yeah that that was trauma and was that quite a common thing that you see with people you work with well let's face it our family of origin that's all we know that's our norm and therefore we don't know anything else necessarily and it is those things it can be maybe I mean the 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 most difficult cases I work with it are child sexual abuse and it can often start People talk about stranger danger, but 
there are a lot more cases of child sexual abuse within families. And that can be really traumatic um, and leave people with lots and lots of different issues. But there are other things. It may be, as you say, your parents split up or maybe you had an absent parent or it could be that you had a really serious illness. Um, I think there can be a, an awful lot of issues that can crop up and you don't figure out what it is until, as you say, you get older and then you're realising that you're creating the same kind of patterns over and over again. Because what we do is we find a way of surviving in the world as a child. So it could be that we are quite, I don't know, maybe you quite get angry easily, for example. Or it could be that you always keep falling into those really rubbish relationships with people. But you don't realise that the reason you've done that is because of the pattern you've created as a child. Now, one of mine was that feeling of not being good enough. I started feeling, well, definitely, I couldn't understand it for years. I'm not good enough. But it started in my childhood. I, my parents weren't the best. They had their own issues. Um, but my mother, she had a habit of just withdrawing completely. She stonewalled me. And as a result, I would be saying, mummy, what have I done wrong? What have I done? Um, I, and I would cry and cry and cry, but she wouldn't respond to me. And so I always felt it was my fault. It must be something I've done wrong. So I'm not living up to her expectations. Well, that carried on because then I felt at school, I couldn't have been good enough. It must have been my fault if I failed an exam or a test. There must be something wrong with me. It could be with friendships. If I didn't fit into that group of friends, it must be my fault. I'm not good enough with that. And then so it, could, it continued, it continued my belief that I was never good enough. I wasn't a good enough employee. I wasn't a good enough friend. I wasn't a good, good enough mom. I wasn't a good enough wife. Uh, you get the picture. <laughs> and so we carry on in our lives just feeling in that lesser position. So, yeah, I think that those traumas, whether they're traumatic experiences or they're more, you know, long term as it was as me as a child, they follow us and they create all sorts of problems. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And I wonder with the not feeling good enough, that definitely resonates with me as well. <laughs> That's been a lot of my experience. And I'm sure for a lot of people listening, that sounds familiar. So how do we start to break down some of that? And it might be different patterns for different people, but how do we start to move through those to maybe where we do feel like, yeah, I am good enough? I think one of the biggest things, the one of the biggest pitfalls is comparing. When we compare ourselves to other people, it really makes us feel miserable. So when we don't feel good enough, our automatic default is often, you compare yourself with somebody else. Well, they're much better at their job. They're much, they seem much happier in their relationships. They're obviously better at passing exams, better at getting qualifications. So comparison is really, really, it's hopeless. I always say com comparison is the thief of joy because it makes us miserable because we're never, it's like comparing 
an apple with an armchair, almost, isn't it? You know, it's that crazy. By doing that, we make ourselves miserable. And social media is one of the worst things that we can get involved in because, yeah, you're always going to see somebody who's looks more confident, more self-assured, in a better relationship, looks better, all of that stuff. So I always kind of say, right, okay, when you get that feeling of not feeling good enough, stop for a minute, ask yourself, who are you comparing yourself to? And if you find, I, I get clients say, well, everybody's better at this. Can you name all, all these everybodies? <laughs> who are they? I go, um, and then they start, well, my friend is, well, let's really break this down and say, are you comparing like for like? Like, are you comparing an apple with an armchair? Because if you're doing that, then no. And, and it's not helpful. You can say, well, their relationship is better. How do you know? You can't see what's behind that door. You don't only see what they want you to see. Oh, they're always better dressed. They seem to have a lot more money. They've got nicer things. Okay, how do you know that they're not up to their eyes in, in, in debt because they've got all these things? And I think it is. Just stop and think for a minute. Why do you not feel good enough? And then start thinking about all the achievements that you've made. Because comparing ourselves to ourselves is much more healthy. When we start looking at, okay, what have you achieved? Well, I got through my exams and I went to, I went to a particular school. Okay, that was good. And then I passed, maybe I passed um, pianos exams or something, or I got picked for the school team. All those things where you're small. And then if you carry on, well, okay, in your job, how are you doing in your job? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm all right. My boss never says I'm doing well. Well, bosses don't tend to, let's face it. Okay, so what about, have you ever been reprimanded? Have you ever had um, a black mark against you? Have you ever had, you know, a formal complaint against you? Well, no, okay. Well, let's look at that. So, all right, your boss isn't necessarily going to tell you that you're doing great because they don't, as I said. But how, what negative responses have you got? How, what have you achieved? Have you moved up in your career? Have you got a better job or a better position? It's those kinds of things that when we start measuring ourselves against ourselves, is much healthier. Does that help at all? Yeah, it does. And and as you were speaking, I was I was really thinking about, and I, I'm not a parent. Um, may, maybe one day in the future. Although the more I sort of do this, the more I'm like, oh. And I'm I'm uh, training to be a therapist, and the more theory you get into, the like, oh no. But um, for any parents listening, I you know I was thinking for children, it's a really great way to be aware of it, um, of, of some of these things, and to to do things differently to how our parents did. Um, you know, I was thinking about when you shared your story about your mum withdrawing, a mum sort of saying, like, mum, like, mummy is not feeling very well at the moment, or mummy's feeling quite stressed, and explaining so the child doesn't internalize it. Or, you know, if you have two children, not comparing them, but helping them see their own progress so that you're not, <laughs> they're going to pick up their own baggage anyway. You're not adding to it. Yeah. 
because that is a thing I think you, that's something I really picked up on. I was an only child, so I wasn't compared to a sibling. But you hear it a lot, you know, well, my brother, you know, they're academic, they've always done well, and I've always been the one that didn't didn't do well. And I think that, you know, you're comparing yourself to somebody else, and again, that's not helpful. We can't all be exactly the same just because you have a, a sibling who just flew through exams it doesn't mean that you're identical you may have different strengths and I think that's so much more important do you really want to be a carbon copy of your sibling I mean if they're a I don't know if they've got a particular job if they were a brain surgeon for example would you really want to do that if they were worked in A&E would you really want to do that I mean, you might have a completely different view of what you want to do in your life, but it doesn't mean because someone's a high flyer that you're a failure. It's much better to do something that you enjoy rather than trying to be something that you're not. I guess also when we were saying you don't know the reality, so sort of you're creating your own story. So someone could be a brain surgeon, they could be high flying, have a fancy house, loads of money they might not be happy. They might be working like a six hour week. And actually, I think there's something isn't there about thinking about what your strengths are, what you enjoy, what your priorities are. And maybe it is a big fancy house and car and maybe it isn't. Mm, that's right. What do you, it, that's why I said getting to know ourselves and what we want in life. What is it that we really want? Um, do you really want, do as you said, do you want a really fancy um car do you want a big house or I mean I'm not particularly materialistic if I've got money and time I want to go traveling I want to go and experience things that means much more to me yeah I guess that's sometimes tricky to to actually do that tuning into yourself of what it is that you want and particularly if you've got lots of these patterns and lots of this stuff going on that you've not looked at it'd be really hard (laughs) to Mm. sit with ourselves and go who am I? <laughs> what do I want? Yeah. And I think that's what it left me with, Hannah, was the fact that I realised at one point I just didn't know who I was. I was trying to please. Not only did I not feel good enough, but that led me into being a people pleaser. And therefore, I was trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. And in that, I lost myself completely. I didn't know who I was. And I had to sit back and go, well, who am I? Um, not only that, but why am I trying to please all these people? Because I haven't got a clue what they want from me, really. I don't know what they want me to be. So why am I trying to be something I'm not? So all of that came into it as well. And just taking stock and going, okay, who am I? What makes me the person I am? Now, one of the attributes I have is that I'm very, I have been accused of being very sensitive. I am sensitive. And I saw that as a real negative for a long time. People say, oh, you're far too sensitive. Okay, I do take things personally. But then I had a supervisor, a counselling supervisor one day and said to me, but it always works in your favour as well because it makes you a good therapist because you are empathetic. You're tuned into people. And when I stopped and thought about that, I thought, wow, yeah, I am. I am tuned into people. I can pick up on their 
what's going on for them. So actually being sensitive is okay. But it is all those attributes that we have, and they're not all going to be great ones, are they? Some of them are going to be, oh, I've got to own up that sometimes I'm a real bitch. But that's what makes us who we are. It doesn't mean that it makes us a bad person. But it is really, what are we? What is it about us? Are we, like I'm a vet, I love adventure. I like trying new things. Some people are home birds. Some people love big parties. I don't. I just prefer small groups of people. So it goes on and it is just, I find it quite fascinating actually. I know you said you find it a bit daunting, but when you start exploring it, I think it'd be quite fun. I see it as a big jigsaw puzzle and I'm all the pieces that fit into it. And then there are pieces that I go, actually, I don't know that piece fits anymore. Let's chuck it out. But there's another piece. Oh, that goes there. So I find it quite, quite fun actually and you can make it fun yeah no that's great yeah I've, maybe it is once you get in maybe it's that fear of what you might find when you sit down with it yeah but we are all flawed and that is the thing we need to remember none of us is perfect we are each and every one of us is flawed so once you get your head around that and you accept that, I think it's much easier to go, okay, let me have a look at this. I'm just a human being, make mistakes, get things wrong. I'm just human. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, again, this might just be my my thought, we're maybe a lot more tolerant, depending what the flaws are, <laughs> maybe a lot more tolerant of some of those quirks and flaws in other people around us than we are in, our, yeah. in ourselves. Definitely. Yes, I think we, yes, I think we we can be very hard on ourselves and be much more forgiving in others. So why are we so hard on ourselves? Why have we got to be in inverted commas perfect? There's no such thing. Yeah, it's so illogical. Um I, I could stay on this for ages because yeah, it's really helpful for me and I'm sure for lots and lots of our listeners as well. Um, but there's another topic I'd really love to dive into very quickly. Um, so we've talked about anxiety before on the podcast. We've talked about lots of different mental health experiences. Uh, but one thing we've not covered and that I know you talk about is panic attacks. So I wonder if you can briefly <laughs> tell us a little bit about panic attacks and how to manage them if they are something that listeners do experience. Okay. When we have a panic attack, it's just a reaction from our brain. It's just our brain. We have this tiny bit of our brain that we share with every creature on this planet that one of its main functions is survival. It's not clever. It's not intelligent. It just reacts. And you may have heard the fight, flight, freeze response. And that's what's going on. Another part of our brain stores memories. I like to see it as a photo album and it will store the negative memories more than it will the positives. Now you may go back and you go, oh, I remember something will suddenly trigger in your brain. Oh, that reminds a song or something. Oh, that reminds me of the holiday we had, etc." But as I say, it tends to just suddenly, it will tend to store the negatives because we need to stay alive. And that part of our brain is going, we've got to stay alive at any cost. So the negative memories are there 
oh, that's, that's, that's really important. I need to remember that. So when we get triggered, and it can be triggered by a million different things that we don't even realize, they're not in our conscious, they are um, just there. And I say it's almost like pushing the button on a fruit machine. You don't know which one is going to trigger you. It could be a smell, a taste. It could be the way someone looks. It could be a television program. It could be a song. It could be a color. It could be anything. But something will trigger it. And then that's when the messages go around the brain. The brain is going, oh, this is really, this is really important. This, I need to keep the, the person alive. So immediately what will happen is it sends, the, sends a message to the brain, another part of the brain, amazing our brain is, and it will trigger a rush of adrenaline because we need to either fight or run away or freeze. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that because that's another subject, again, we're going to take too long on, but you're going to react in a particular way. You're either going to get angry because you're not going to necessarily fight somebody. You may do, or you might run away, or you might just say no. That's the flight. Or you might just feel, I can't speak. My mind's gone blank. That's the freeze. So we've got this rush of adrenaline. And it's getting us ready for this. So the heart will beat faster to push the adrenaline around the body so that it pumps up the muscles, either to fight or run away. So the thing is that we'll also get, not only is it pushing the, the you know, heartbeat faster, but it also shuts down our digestive system. We don't need to eat, let's face it, you're in survival. So you might feel sick. You might also need the loo. You might go, oh, I need a wee. And I bet when you've had, if anyone's had a panic attack or got really anxious, they'll keep needing the loo even when they don't. Or they might even, their, their bowels are going to go crazy. Some people get IBS. Some people might just get diarrhea. Some people might just go, oh, I really need, I've got to go. But we're ejecting it because the body is saying, I don't need it. I don't need it. We've got to make the body as you know, survival ready as possible. So you're going to get all these horrible sensations. You might not be able to speak. You might, ha, 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 oh, you kind of can't get the words out. Or you just, you're stymied. You just can't say anything. You may get your head is running riot with masses of, information going around in your brain going this is really dangerous or I can't do this what am I going to do or you might just go blank as I said the other symptoms you might get are clammy hands jelly legs so you're going to get all of this going on now microseconds later you are going to get the neocortex which is the intelligent part of the brain saying no it's a false alarm but by this time, everything's gone into action and you're feeling rubbish. And you are scared and worried and upset and you think you might have a heart attack. What most people do is they try and fight it. They go, oh, panic attack, panic attack. What am I going to do? Oh, 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 this is awful. But what I say to my clients is, why don't you just acknowledge that your body is doing what it's supposed to do and taking care of you because if that survival system didn't kick in you'd walk off the edge of a cliff or into traffic 
or burn your hand. It's going, I'm here to make sure that you don't harm yourself. But it's just misfiring. So instead, what I say to clients is, why don't you just thank it? Say, "Uh uh-oh, yeah, thank you, but I don't need you right now. So would you like to go away? Because I'm okay. Then you can put the breathing techniques into action. But it's acknowledging that your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Does that help a bit? It does. Yeah. And thank you. I love science and psychology. So <laughs> I always love an explanation. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I guess it kind of links to a lot of what we said about the stories we tell ourselves and the, the patterns. And if we, you know, are having that physical reaction and then we're trying to fight it, we're trying to stop it or we're beating mm. ourselves up because, oh, I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong. Actually, just sort of dropping all of that and just accepting it and thanking it, like you said, that we don't have that extra <laughs> extra layer of battle. Mm, yeah. I mean, it, I liken it to sort of like food poisoning. If you had food poisoning, you are going to get sickness and diarrhea. Why? Because your body is doing what it's meant to do, ejecting the poison. And it won't get your digestive system back to normal until it believes it's got rid of all the poison. Now, when you accept, oh, it's really tiresome, but we know that that's what our body is doing. It's doing its job. But it's the same with the fight or flight response, isn't it? So when you get your brain around that, go, ah, it's doing what it set out to do, but it's just misfiring. That surely that's got to make life easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm not someone who experiences panic attacks. Like, well, I get to know. I sort of, I'm a freeze person. I just sort of shut down. <laughs> but um, yeah, you might shut down. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm more a shutdown person than anything else. Um, but I'm sure for anyone who is listening, who yeah gets into that any of that cycle, as you said, um, will really appreciate what you shared. Um, Wendy, I could keep talking around all this stuff all night, um, but we haven't got all night. <laughs> so, do you have a final thought? Um, on anything that you've sort of shared or just generally before I ask you my set questions? I think be kind and compassionate to yourself. We're all so tough on ourselves, um, whether it is having a panic attack or whether it is about our beliefs or whether it is that comparison. Be kind and compassionate to yourself. You're doing your best. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much. And yes, I'd love to hear your thoughts on my set questions. I ask everyone that comes on. So my first one is what brings you joy in your life? Mm. Oh, well, I think nature more than anything. I love nature. I think, one, it's free. (laughs) And um, so I think the best things in life are free. I love the countryside. I love the birds singing. I love just being out outside. I live in semi-rural area. So there's lots of countryside around. And I just love that. Being in nature makes me feel good. Just seeing just yeah nature all around me squirrels and birds and um there's a heron that comes on the pond in sometimes and the ducks and things like that just just yeah everything about it I love it wildflowers trees everything yeah lovely and we've had some pretty wild nature over the last couple of days in the UK yeah we have a fence down here but um anyway (laughs) uh my second question sometimes this is similar sometimes it isn't is what makes life meaningful for you? 
Um, I think what I do, because I love what I do. I love being a counselor and psychotherapist. I love it. Um, I think if I can help one person, then surely that, that means an awful lot to me. It makes my heart sing. Um, yeah, just seeing, being able to be there for somebody and sometimes helping them make the changes they want is, yeah, very meaningful to me. Yeah, amazing. Thank you for that. So my next two questions are around our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental well-being. So the first question is, what does mental well-being mean to you? Um, I think it is feeling relatively comfortable. Yes, we're all going to hit bumps in the road. I said, and I think rubbish is going to happen, like whether it's storms like we've had recently, whether it's the pandemic, there is always going to be something that we feel we can't control. And I think accepting that and becoming more resilient to be able to cope with that, those things. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. If we don't feel, if we're feeling that we're completely flawed um, and it's sending us down into a spiral, then your mental health is probably not at its best. And acknowledging that I think as well and supporting yourself and getting help. But yeah, does that answer your question okay? It does, yes. And then my follow-up, I think you hinted at this a little bit, but I'll ask you um, anyway. Uh, so, well, uh, for yourself, how you look after your own mental well-being? Well, I'm going to say I put myself first because I do. My well-being is really important. I do forget sometimes, but I know that if I don't take care of myself and put myself first, I can't help anybody else at all. And I know how important that is. Because if I'm not feeling, well, if I'm not feeling good, how can I be there for anybody else? Whether it's family, friends, clients or whoever. Yeah. And some people see that as selfish, but I don't. I see that as self-care. Well, absolutely. And I think we're really big on self-care here. Um, but I think also, and this is something I've been thinking about for myself, that I really need to practice more self-care. And I'm just on the cusp of starting to see clients and that like you are your tool for working with people. And so in the way like a tradesperson would like look after their tools and maintain them, you are the one who is supporting people. So if you're not looking after yourself, you can't be there for them. So actually it's essential. It's not, it's not selfish. I'm trying to get into that mindset and <laughs> do more self-care. Um, so, yeah, uh, but we're for everyone regardless of you know what work you mm. do self-care super important uh, so my next question is sometimes a bit of a challenge um so we'll see <laughs> how would you describe your own mindset I think I've generally I've got a very positive mindset um and I've had to work at it I feel much more comfortable in my own skin nowadays if I look back when I was younger I think because I was trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be, trying to fit into a tribe, which probably wasn't, didn't align with me. I didn't like myself looking back. I wasn't a very nice person at times. But now I feel much more comfortable. I am much more me. Um, Yes, I get my down days, but I find coping mechanisms 
to deal with it. I've always said all through the pandemic, I didn't watch the news. That was my way of ensuring that my mindset was the best it could be to get through the pandemic, the isolation, all of the other stuff that we've got had to deal with. Um, I didn't watch the news. I didn't get involved with it. I found ways of supporting myself by, yeah, going out for walks, um, watching TV programs or, or reading that gave me, made me feel good. If you like, it's distractions, but that helps me. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. So my next question is one of my favorites to ask, because I'm very curious and loads of brilliant uh, suggestions come up. So I ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three top tips about life in general that could be really impactful if we tried them. So do you have a top one to three tips for us? I think I've already shared one, which is be kind to yourself, be kind and compassionate to yourself. Um, I think another one I found has been really useful for me is don't react to situations immediately. You don't have to answer that email, that text message, that letter, whatever it is, you don't have to answer to it. Or even if somebody's asked your question, you can just take a step back and give yourself time to think about it, how you might address it. So even if you had a disagreement with somebody, or if you've got that really tricky email that you feel you've got to answer, take some time with it, allow yourself to process it and how you might, because often that gut with that first reaction is gonna be the one that, oh, it is a reaction rather than a, a measured thought about how you might respond to it. You can say to your partner, for example, or friend, look, can we just stop now and let's walk away and, and, and get back to it when we're both feeling a bit calmer. It might be with that email, just sleep on it. Or if your boss is saying something, I need you to do something. Can I just take a rain check on that? Give me some a moment rather than me agreeing to it and finding I can't do it. I think that is one I would really recommend for everybody. Lovely. Thank you for those. Um, my next one is a recommendation question. So I love to read. You can't see all my books. Um, but do you have um, a, a recommendation of a book uh, or a TED talk or something like that that has been really impactful in your life that you'd like to share with us? Do you know, I'm going to recommend a person. Um, it's Gabor Mate. You, you're nodding your head, so I guess you know him. I find his, his insightfulness and his views about trauma, addiction, how we are in the world is really interesting. And you can, you can just watch him on YouTube. And once you start on YouTube and you watch some of his interviews or lectures or whatever, you find yourself going down a rabbit hole because there, there are lots of others that are similar or offer you insights. Not many people know about Gabor, um, but he was, he's, he's Hungarian. He lives in Canada. His parents were in the Holocaust and um, his, his, you know, that was the trauma that got handed down through the generations to him. So yeah, he's, he's um, an interesting man. So that's, that's who I'm gonna be. But the book is in, is, um, in the realms of Hungry Ghost, yeah. He also has, I don't know if you've seen his documentary on the wisdom of trauma, I think it's called. Um, yeah. Yeah, really powerful. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've recommended it to clients as well. And they've noticed how insightful it's been. Um, and yeah, left them kind of speechless at times. So yeah, really good. Really yeah. good. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. For that. And then that sadly brings me to my final question, because I'm really loving speaking with you. Um, and that is where we can find you if you've got anything going on that you want to share with us, just where you are. Okay, so you can find me on my website, which is wendycapewell.co.uk. Um, and on there, I offer a free 30-minute consultation. So you can have a chat with me to find out more about me or if I'm the right person to help you. I also have a podcast and my podcast is Love, Listen, Talk, Repeat. And I've interviewed quite a number of people. Who, um, some of it's been about mental health issues, suicide, depression, anxiety, loss. Um, and I'm doing a whole series at the moment about relationships and dating, because I think I've noticed with a lot of younger people how they're struggling, not only in the relationship, but younger people find it quite a challenge with dating. So I've had some interesting dating coaches on as well. So those sorts of things. But I've had I've uh, produced over 170 of them now. So there's plenty to go through. Yeah. Lovely. I think you're very similar uh, age to us because I think this is coming out super quickly. It's coming out Monday because um, I've cleared all my backlog. So it's just going to be hot off the press for everyone. And this is going to be episode 189. So very exciting. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, um, so a logistical question, which I think is a sensible one to ask because we have got international listeners. So do you only work with people in the UK or do you work with people internationally? I work with people internationally. The only problem is that anyone in the US, they have very different laws and therefore can't do that because they have to work with licensed therapists. So that is the only restriction, really. But yeah, other than that, yeah, anywhere. Brilliant. I thought it was good to check. <laughs> Sorry, US listeners, but still check out Wendy's podcast. Um, Wendy, thank you so, so much. I really love speaking with you. Thank you so much for giving up your time and for everything that you've shared with us. Thank you for having me, Hannah. Thank you. It's been an absolute delight. A massive thank you to Wendy for joining us and for everything that she shared with us. Please do connect with Wendy online and with me, and we'd love to hear any takeaways you've had from this episode. Uh, so we are at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So whichever platform is your go-to, we would love to hear from you. And as always, you can get in touch to recommend guests, to recommend topics, uh, to ask questions, any of that stuff. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week. And as always, take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself that came up in this episode as well so it's so important be kind to yourself and I will speak to you soon bye for now